I would say the most beneficial part is probably the beginning where they explain the overview and the kind of concept behind what they're gonna show throughout the instructional. And then if you're watching like a Gordon Ryan instructional where they have the rolling footage, I would say the rolling footage, especially when they're talking over the rolling footage and explaining what they're, what they're doing, those two aspects are I think the most important part Welcome everyone to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Travis. And today I have the brilliant mind behind Less Impressed, More Involved BJJ over on YouTube with almost 50,000 YouTube subscribers and over 4 million channel views. Jake Luigi is known for his high quality BJJ analysis of top level competitors and his quality is second to none. In this episode, we will explore Jake's love for the analytical side of jujitsu, pros and cons of instructionals, what makes a good instructional, how to tell if you are spending your money wisely and if the instructional that you're buying is legit and so much more. So whether you are a seasoned practitioner or a curious beginner, Jake's channel has something for everyone and I highly recommend you go check him out in the description below go subscribe to them. Also, don't forget to go follow us on Instagram and everywhere. Go join L Bros community over on Facebook. Link is going to be down in the description below. And make sure you guys leave us a five-star review wherever you're going. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. Let me know what instructionals you watch down in the comments below and who your favorite instructional people are. And uh, we'll catch you later. Peace. Jake, how's it going today, man? Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, I've been talking to you for a while now on Instagram and stuff like that for a couple months. Jordan Pressinger actually pointed me your way. And at first, when I found your YouTube page, it wasn't for me. <laughs> no offense. Because uh, I just, I at that point, I wasn't very big into the analytical side of jujitsu and competition and stuff like that. But then I actually started watching him more. And I was like, man. This dude is so legit, man. Your YouTube channel is incredible. If people haven't heard of it, it's less impressed, more involved. Um, and it's it's great, man. So I'm glad we finally got to come on board together. And you just had me on your podcast, so thank you for that too. And I'm glad that we we're, we're going to be able to have a, a cool discussion today. I kind of want to cover, you know, instructionals for beginners, your your background in jiu-jitsu and whatnot. And, uh, but all that's like foresighting. So let's just get into who you are <laughs> for the people at home that don't know you and how'd you got into jujitsu and everything. Yeah. So like you said, we've been talking about doing this for a while, so I'm glad we, we finally made it happen. But, um, just a little background on me. I started doing jujitsu after college. So that was in 2015. So I've been doing it for like eight years now and i'm a purple belt but you know out of those eight years a year and a half was covid and then after covid um my wife and i moved to this remote island of hawaii called lanai it's next to maui um and there wasn't any jujitsu out here um so now it's kind of starting to develop but that's kind of when i started doing the youtube thing um when we moved out here just to kind of stay involved with jujitsu and uh yeah here we are so you and i have similar backgrounds in starting jujitsu your first academy was just like mine i found this out when i came on you know 1-800-BJJ-HELP and we both started in a brand new academies basically 99 percent brand new practitioners how did that fall into line how did you end up in that situation 
Yeah, so I moved to the Bay Area and in California, and I just happened to move into an apartment, and literally right across the street was a jiu-jitsu school. So I just walked in there one day after work and signed up, and it was literally like the grand opening sign is like, you know, on the wall and all that good stuff. Like, we'll give you a free gi if you sign up kind of, kind of deal. <laughs> so I was like, okay, sure. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of a right place, right time, I guess. So what made you move to the Bay Area? Work, yeah. Oh, okay. Just uh, just work, um, nothing, yeah. <laughs> did you have like a very, since kind of like you alluded to, you know, your YouTube channel and I did too at the beginning, did you have, do you have like an analytical, like engineering background or something like that to, to have such like a deep um, look into technique and whatnot? I feel like, since growing up, I feel like we probably all have similar stories. Like we gravitate more towards, you know, numbers or more towards artistic things and things like that. I was definitely always a math person. Um, and then in college, I studied finance. So that was very math oriented and a lot of like Excel sheets and stuff like that. Um, and then after college, I did nothing to do with my degree at all and nothing to do with math. <laughs> I was a project manager and, uh, yeah. So I would say like growing up, I was very numbers oriented and very analytical and tended to be more like reserved, um, kind of like fit the proper stereotype of like the <laughs> analytical person you would think of. Um, Yeah. So I would say it's it's something I've always gravitated towards, but I haven't really had any like proper training in it, which is, you know, kind of kind of difficult when I have like this this platform now and I'm trying to kind of break into this space and people are like sending me all this like, oh, you should do statistics like this. And it's like, yeah, I've never heard of like any of this stuff. So, <laughs> so it's a high mountain I'm trying to climb here, but uh, you got to just take it one step at a time, I guess. Has has uh starting your YouTube channel has it like reignited that love for numbers and analyzing and like breaking things down? Obviously, right? Because I mean, you're you're at like what fifty thousand subscribers now and like hundreds of videos and there has has it like reignited something inside you that you just now you just want to keep going? I would say so because I definitely think that I'm not someone who's gonna be like a world champion at jujitsu. Um, but I do think that it's something that like a, a way that I can make a difference pretty much in the jujitsu space. And, uh, that does kind of help ignite and keep, keep me going a bit, kind of finding how I can help people and, uh, just kind of find my niche in this, in this jujitsu space. Yeah. Finding purpose in jujitsu outside of a belt or outside of, I just, I just talked about this on my last episode and it was one of the things that I've. I learned over the last hundred episodes, four years of podcasting is finding a purpose of helping people really keeps you motivated to want to keep showing up on the mats or, or whether it's any, anything in life, if you can find a purpose outside of a selfish one, I mean, every purpose is kind of selfish, right? Because it's all towards like filling your own cup in a way of filling out someone else's cup. But I think it's a very powerful thing, helping others. And, and in jujitsu, it's cool because you can see, I mean, when you run a YouTube channel, it's not like you can see right away, but getting those messages of people saying like, hey, man, like your your analysis really helped me out. It really broke down how I can do this and that. And that purpose of helping others, man, it is 
it's kind of intoxicating sometimes when you really start to like break that barrier down and people actually start listening to you or you're making an impact on on others it's it's great yeah for sure it's a very um i'm sure you know too it's a very lonely experience making like content and stuff um so it is nice to know that you're not just sitting in front of your dual screens trying to like watch all these videos um just for yourself especially me because like i'm not really doing jujitsu all that much to be honest so um yeah it's nice to know that it's not not for nothing so who who was your first like online content creator that kind of ignited this desire to want to create content honestly i it's a really good question. Um, I would say the channel that I always get kind of lumped into um, that I wouldn't necessarily say I started out like, oh, I'm going to do what they're doing. But um, who I'm referring to is BJJ Scout. I kind of get mm-hmm. lumped into to that category, which is completely understandable. They kind of like paved the way for the like analytical breaking down competition footage um, type of YouTube channel. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say like I watched a ton of their videos or anything, you know, um, I've watched a few, like, especially the leg lock ones when I was trying to figure it out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say I wasn't the biggest like YouTube person, honestly, before I became a content creator. Um, and I didn't like study all that much material, like outside of class before, like Danaher came out with his instructionals and then it kind of just like blew my mind. And I was like, man, there's a lot more out here than my, my jujitsu school, you know? Um, so it's a really good question. Um, I would say now I watch, you know, Jordan's, uh, episodes, you know, all the time. Um, I think his quality is, is just unmatched. And even though it's kind of a different niche and a different style of video, I think, um, we can all kind of learn a lot to the way he's, navigating and kind of blazing the trail for us youtubers that are kind of going behind him it's just as far as like you know sponsorships and production quality and partnerships and like he's just kind of yeah he's he's paving the way for sure yeah i love jordan's content it's it's helped me out quite a bit and you know sometimes people kind of get a little bit of hesitancy when people start putting things behind paywalls but everything that I've ever gotten that I've paid for from Jordan, um, it's great. Like his theory course, I've got his half guard instructional off of BJJ Fanatics. And one, it's because I, you know, I want to support a friend. He helped. He's helped the podcast me immensely. We've talked about this too. And not only that, but it's you know he's, it's cool finding instructors or people that you can just tell they have a passion for it, and they really sit down and think about the quality of how they're going to say it and how they're going to show it. Because a lot of people out there, they don't do that, right? They'll just like put a camera in front of them and they're like, this is the technique. Thanks. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, well, wait a second. Where's There's a lot of nuance to this or there's a lot more you can be explaining to that. And I think Jordan does a, a great job of doing that. Um, And like you mentioned, the production quality too. What have you, what lessons have you learned since starting your YouTube channel uh, and then kind of creating content? It's a really good question. Um, I would say that the first lesson I, I probably learned um, is that production quality is great, but you don't need it kind of thing. Like I legitimately started 
with my computer and my headphones that I plugged in and I was just like recording with that. Yeah. And I still to this day use just like mostly free software. Um, I've invested in a microphone and yeah, which sounds that's great. Pretty much it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, that's a, that's the same thing with me. People, people ask, you know, what, what products I use or equipment I use. And this has been, everything I have has been over four years. So I've pieced it together, you know, over the last four years. And most of the time, dude, your phone is a phenomenal thing. The microphone that you can get on a pair of headphones is great, right? Uh, I use DaVinci Resolve for editing. It's free. It's literally like the standard for TV production and whatnot. And, you know, there's not a lot of stuff out there to that you have to pay for, especially YouTube. YouTube's free. You can literally use everything you have and upload straight to YouTube, and it won't cost you a dime. And I think people see people like Jordan and then, you know, a little bit of me and these other people that have been slowly chipping away at increasing quality 1% at a time. And they're like, oh, my God, man, if I get into content creation, I need this super nice camera. I need a, an amazing microphone. It's like, you don't. You don't, man. It's much easier than that. I promise. Like, <laughs> if you have a good message, people will show up. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's kind, of so, a, it's kind of a gift and a curse that the barrier to entry is so low. Because oh, like man. there's just it just leads to a lot of uh, a lot of clutter, a lot of uh, a lot of garbage, honestly, out there um, to kind of sift through to get to the good stuff. So um, hopefully that's where people. I think honestly that's what I'm trying to trying to help people with is just trying to like point people in the right direction and be like, hey, this is worth looking into, and if you have some time, you should probably watch this or practice these techniques because this is what's working at the highest level. Yeah. So let, let's go. Let's go into that. But first, I want to know why less impressed, more involved. What is, where did that come from? Yeah. So uh, basically, my YouTube channel started after I got back from a fishing trip from Alaska, and I was with my uncle. And every time, you know, I I broke my. I'm not a good fisherman, um, but every time I like broke my line or whatever, I would have to basically like walk to him with my pole and be like, "Hey, I I need a new hook," kind of thing. <laughs> Um, so I felt very like hopeless and I was like, man, next time I want to like study before and like know how to tie some knots and things like that. So at the time I was listening to Matthew McConaughey's book called green lights. And he was talking about when his dad died, how it was kind of, the time for him to to step up and kind of like be a man pretty much and uh he said it was time to start being less impressed by the things his dad was doing and start becoming more involved and like figuring mm. out how to like navigate through his life instead of just being like impressed with the people that he put up on pedestals so um he wrote like i think he said he wrote it in like a tree or something he just wrote less impressed more involved um, and that was kind of the like milestone where he like, you know, turned over that leaf and was trying to like start down that path. So I, it just kind of like resonated with me and it like kind of clicked with the sense that I was like going to start learning how to tie some knots. Um, so I just named my YouTube channel Less Impressed, More Involved, not thinking that it was going to become anything. And like the first maybe like five videos are just me tying knots on the video on the on the YouTube channel. Also, oh, you start then, off as a fishing channel. 
Yeah, it was like a knot tying, <laughs> knot tying channel. And like, it wasn't just fishing because I was also learning how to hunt. So it was like how to hang your meat in the back country after you like, you know, harvest an animal. So it was like how to like hoist up meat into a tree and stuff. So it's like weird content like that, that we're getting like five views. And most of them are probably like my mom. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then I made one video about Marcelo Garcia. And that video, I think, got like 17,000 views or something like that. Oh, my gosh. Um, And then I haven't made a knot tying video since. What's up, guys? Are you tired of grappling body hair on and off the mats? Well, have no fear, because we have a solution that will keep you rolling smoothly and in style, thanks to Manscaped. Picture this, you're about to step onto the jiu-jitsu mats, ready to dominate and submit all your opponents. But wait, what's that? Your unruly body hair. That's why you need Manscaped, the global leader in men's grooming. With their precision engineering tools, you could tame the hairiest situations and grapple yourself to victory. Imagine executing the perfect arm bar, all while knowing your ball hair is trying to sneak in a sneaky triangle choke. Thanks to the Lawnmower 4.0, you can easily eliminate that unwanted hair with this cutting edge technology. It's like a black belt for body hair. So to my fellow BJJ practitioners, whether you're a white belt or a black belt, let Manscaped be your secret weapon on and off the mats. Go to manscaped.com and use code ETP20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's ETP20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. And with Manscaped, you'll be a force to reckon with on the mats and in the mirror. So at, at what belt color did you start your YouTube channel, the jiu-jitsu side of it? Purple. Purple? Yeah. Purple. So, so... What are what what are like the pros and cons of instructional? Let's kind of like jump into your your views on instructional. Obviously, because you do a lot of analysis of high level competition instructionals, basically anything that has to do with jujitsu and how we can get better at it. What are some of the pros and cons of someone watching an instructional? Yeah, I would say um, this is kind of changed over the past i would say six months for for myself um i'd say my answer would have been much different six months ago but now i would say the most beneficial part is probably the beginning where they explain the overview and the kind of concept behind what they're gonna show throughout the instructional and then if you're watching like a gordon ryan instructional where they have the rolling footage I would say the rolling footage, especially when they're talking over the rolling footage and explaining what they're what they're doing, those two aspects are, I think, the most important part. And then when they show you all the like little details and techniques, I would say that's the the third um, most important part, which I think a lot of people kind of just like try and skip right to the the fancy techniques that they want to learn and learn all the little details. Um, but I definitely think that is not as important as people, people say. Um, but at the same time, I also think it is like really important. So like, it's kind of like a, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's something I'm still trying to, trying to figure out, um, and balance myself. But I was listening to, do you know who Owen O'Flanagan is? I do not. Gotcha. Um, shout out Owen. (laughs) He's, uh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not a student of the art. It's really bad. I have a platform and I 
there's people all the time. They're like, oh, do you know who this is? What about? Th-? I'm like, I don't. I'm sorry. I, just, I I have way too much going on in life to understand a lot of people. Unfortunately, I wish I could, but but sorry. Go on. Gotcha. Um, he's just a, he's a he's a grappler out of London. Um, but he has a podcast and he has a leg lock instructional as well. And I think I don't remember the exact phrase and I'm kind of waiting to use it in one of my YouTube videos. I wrote it down. So I was going to like rewatch it before I used it. But like the basic theme behind it is I don't, I don't, can I don't remember how it came up, but basically someone was asking him a question, like a very detailed question about what he showed in his leg lock instructional. And he was like, to be honest, I do it differently now. You know, like it's not like the same. Um, so I think like if you watch a Gordon Ryan instructional or a Danaher instructional and you're so focused on like the, the right hand goes here and the left hand goes here, I think it's great and it will probably be better than what you were doing previously. But it's not necessarily the most optimal way and to they're probably doing it differently now kind of thing. So I think that's important to, to keep in mind that the little details you're going to improve over time and you're probably going to do it differently a year from now than you're doing right now. But the overall theme and game plan is probably going to change less often, if that makes sense. So um, that's why I think the order of importance is the way I structured it. So what about, what about some cons? Like who, who should and shouldn't be watching instructionals? Man, that's a good question. I, if I were, I can't think of a person who shouldn't be watching an instructional, to be honest. Um, at least, at least from my seat, um, I have like instructionals blew my mind and, and opened up a whole nother world for me. Um, so just if, even if I get to day one beginner and they're interested in watching instructionals, I would say, even if it's not like necessarily the best content or whatever. I still think it shows that they're like willing to learn and excited about it. And why would you try and like put that flame out kind of thing? So, um, and then if you're advanced, like you're just looking for different ways of doing things and you can filter through things that you like and dislike. So, um, from beginner people to advanced people, I off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone who shouldn't be watching instructionals. Or like match footage. Like if you're legitimately trying to get better at jujitsu, I feel like you should be watching competition footage and trying to compare it with instructionals. Yeah. How how do how should uh new practitioners, um, how do I say this? Like go through the weeds. Like make sure that they're they're not wasting their money because instructionals are expensive. It's not like all of them are super cheap, always on sale. How how can a new practitioner know that they're not? They're not getting, you know, they're buying snake oil in an instructional. Yeah. Um, It's kind of hard, to be honest. Like, there's a lot of marketing um, tactics, and it's easy to kind of drink the Kool-Aid on the the latest thing. Um, So I would say to ask maybe someone that you you trust um, for, like, recommendations. And then maybe like the more specific you can be about it and say like, oh, I'm really interested in De La Hiva and I want to learn some more things about De La Hiva and I'm really struggling when 
I'm trying to like off balance them like down to their hands or something like that. I just can't seem to like off balance the person very well from De La Hiva. Then I feel like someone can like give you like a, a legitimate recommendation. Um, but like I get asked all the time, like what's the best instructional for beginner people? And it's like, dude, I don't, I don't know. Like if I can give you the generic answer, that's like, you should get one of the escape instructionals from Danaher or Gordon kind of thing. Like that's, I feel like, what 95% of people would say. Um, but uh, like, maybe you're not interested in that. And you're like, dude, I, I'm a wrestler. I just want to like, double down on my wrestling and win some competitions. You know, I just want to like, learn how to smash people from side control, then you probably shouldn't get that escape going. So um, yeah, I feel like it's hard to give like, generic advice. Um, and then as far as just like, you know, spending your resources wisely. Um, I would, I would ask someone that you trust and try and be like specific about what you're trying to get out of, out of the instructional. Um, and I feel like that will, that will at least give you a, like a better use of your, of your resources. Do you think that new practitioners or even blue belts, right? Cause blue belts are still, you know, lower belt. People get upset about that, but, uh, <laughs> But do you think that they should be focusing on what is being taught in class or do you think they should get that curiosity and say if they see something on sale on BJJ Fanatics or Jiu-Jitsu X that they should go for that and then uh, try that in class? Like, how do you think they should work with that dynamic? That that. Yeah, I think it's easier, easier said than done um, because I think a lot of people see the sale on BJJ Fanatics and they buy it and they start studying it even though it has nothing to do with what they're studying in class. Yeah. So I think in an ideal world, which is probably not going to happen, but I think in an ideal world, you're studying something on BJJ Fanatics that links well with what you're studying in class. So like if you're working on i don't know like butterfly sweeps in class or whatever you can get a bjj fanatics instructional that's about x guard or something like that so like it's like both your feet are on the inside for a butterfly sweep both your feet are on the inside for x guard they link nicely with each other and you're just kind of studying the two feet inside game it's not like you're stepping on the toes of your instructor by being like dude i'm i want to get really good at you know, like, I don't know, uh, even De La Hiva, like you use De La Hiva as an example for this. Like, I want to get good at like an outside guard, but we're like studying inside guards right now. But then maybe I guess you could make the argument like you can transfer. I don't know. I'm going down a rabbit hole right now. But basically, I think you understand <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, yeah. 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 So focus on primarily you should be focusing on what's being taught in class, uh, especially as a new practitioner. Um, but, you know, don't don't step on your instructor toes if you do buy something that's not being taught in class. Cause I don't, I don't know about you, but if I'm teaching someone how I'm a, uh, my trade, my welding is, or my trade is welding uh, back when I was in the Navy. And so if I were to be teaching someone how to stick weld and they came in and they were doing something else, I would be like, don't worry about that right now. I'm trying to teach you the very basics first, and then you can go off and explore these other ideas and concepts about metallurgy or whatever. That doesn't matter right now because you can't even friggin' you can't even put two pieces of metal together. So let's go ahead and <laughs> ring our focus in a little bit. And that's like my big concern, uh, especially because I try to create content for people that are new practitioners. 
Um, you know, and it's like you mentioned, it's hard to tell them not to, uh, you know, fan the flame a little bit and, you know, when they're interested in these things, but I'm just so worried about people, um, wasting needed space and wasting their time. And, um, so it's, you know, it's a concern when people are like, oh man, I want to watch instructional. It's like, okay, well you should do it. Yeah. If you're interested, you, you should definitely do it, but kind of keep it in the realm of what's going on in your academy right now, because if you're going over De La Hiva in class, right, and then you you go over to, I don't even know what else we could we could be talking about with De La Hiva, but like back attacks or something, and there's like no cohesiveness uh, from that De La Hiva to that back attack. Like you don't you're not looking at crab riding or kiss, you know, all these other things. Then you're just wasting your time in in my eyes or in space and you know your instructor's um, time if you do that. Um, and so that's just one thing that I, I get kind of concerned about is I, I want new practitioners to, you know, look at other information outside of their academy because it's incredibly valuable, but I don't want them to do it at the cost of not learning something that the instructor automatically knows would make them improve better. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's one thing that, that really kind of, uh, concerns me sometimes. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's kind of a, a two way street and I think like, instructors are getting better about realizing that their students are going to see other ways of doing things online and have the option of going down whatever rabbit hole they want. So it's kind of on the instructor to realize that that's the world that we live in right now and to be more open and maybe even structure classes in a more open way to allow that like curiosity. But then it's also on the student to realize that these people showing the instructionals don't individually know who the student is. And the instructor is the one who individually knows the student and is trying to, you know, walk that student down the, the jujitsu journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it kind of is like a two way street. Like the, the students need to need to take that mindset. Um, and the instructors also need to, to have the mindset as well that, that students are going to, be able to to do that as well yeah and i think this whole idea of the uh ecological method of teaching and then you know more conceptual uh teaching methods that kind of have been adopted more in jujitsu recently i think that's great for what we're talking about too because it allows for that open conversation between technique and instruction and what's working and what's not and I think you have more of the ability to wander outside of the box a little bit while bringing yourself back in. Because I know there's times when I'm in the middle of class and I'm trying things that I think I see in the middle of a technique that my professor's trying to teach me. And I'm like, well, let me try this real quick. And then, you know, I don't want to like insult my professor by doing something that's not within what he's teaching right now. Uh, but, you know, it's like that. It's like, well, would this work? <laughs> right. I just want to kind of know, like, would this work? Like, you know, but you don't, you don't, you don't want to stomp on someone's, you know, curiosity when they're, they're exploring uh, a move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say like one thing I try to like preface like a class if I teach is like, this is the way I'm doing it. If you like know a better way or you want to like explore or you want to like, I think they call it the, yeah, they do call it the reverse classroom model um, where it's like, basically like i'm gonna show something but if you're like dude i don't want to do that i want to do this or like oh i know a better way to do it i'm gonna do it that way i think it honestly just like takes some of the burden off of the instructor so mm. me as a purple belt 
trying to instruct people that are often like higher rank than me that are coming to these um, classes, I would say um, it takes some of the burden off of me to know every answer. And uh, that's, I think, important. Um, and it's also just like, you know, uh, ease of mind um, for me when I'm going in to teach a class is like, you don't, you don't need to know every answer. And the like, ideally, your student is like, oh, I saw this thing from, you know, Lachlan Giles showing it to do it this way. And it's like, oh, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Try it kind of thing. Let me know what you think. So um, it just kind of like gives you more freedom and, and takes some of that weight off of your, your shoulders. You don't have to be that like god of an instructor that knows everything, you know? Yeah. Well, even, even in, no one knows everything in jujitsu. You, you might meet someone that thinks that they know almost everything, but uh, there's, there's new innovation every day in jujitsu. And that's including in instructionals too. You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't look at an instructional like at the end all be all of information when it comes to a certain technique or anything like that. Um, because like we mentioned earlier, there are some people out there that are yeah, I don't really know if that this is ninety percent of stuff that probably wouldn't work in real life, but they're making some sales doing it. So when you when you look at buying an instructional or you're analyzing it, what do you look for in one that makes it great? You know what I mean? You're like, man, that was that was a fantastic instructional i gained a lot from it most of it comes down to like the first introductory like section where they're just like explaining what they're doing and like the overall concept behind it and if it completely changes like the way i think about a position i know it's just really really valuable um so that's kind of like the first thing if they just kind of like hop in and they just start like doing techniques and like oh this is what i do if they do this and then if they do this and they do that i think it'll be i think it'll be valuable i think you'll probably find little nuggets in there you're like oh i've never thought of doing you know a technique like that um let me try it but uh as far as just like reshaping the way you think about open guard or like side control or or things like that just like giving you like a very broad overview. Um, I think that is kind of the, what takes an instructional from being like a good instructional to a great instructional is they kind of just reshape your, your overall picture of the given position or technique. Have you ever experienced the agony of sleepless nights when you're away from home? Well, let me tell you about a recent trip that I went on that became a sleep disaster. Picture this, you go on a thrilling adventure, leaving behind the comfort of your own bed. Unfortunately, also your beloved pillow. Little did I know the effect it would have on my sleep night after night, struggling to find that cozy, supportive feeling I had grown accustomed to. Now, I know what you're thinking, yeah, 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 Travis, you get paid by Mummy Pillow to promote their brand and their products and it's very true i do but that's only because after using it i absolutely could not believe how big of an impact it had on my sleep mummy pillow has been a godsend for me and my sleep not having it on that trip and sleeping with those hotel pillows was horrible i wish i would have brought it with me and with mummy pillows you also get a travel bag that comes with your pillow so don't be like me bring your pillow everywhere you go and enjoy your night of sleep and let me tell you 
coming back home and finally sinking in into the embrace of that mummy pillow was like returning home to a long lost friend. <laughs> it was like my pillow had whispered to me, welcome back, my dear friend, rest well. Go to MVMISleep.com and use code ELBOWSTIGHT at checkout for 15% off. Once again, that's 15% off with code ELBOWSTIGHT at checkout. Sleep ambitiously with mummy. So yeah, more of a, there's definitely more of a conceptual aspect to it to better understand the physical side of it. You know, I think, I think a lot of people nowadays, they hear conceptual jujitsu or conceptual learning or whatever and they're you know they might be put off by it because there's you know there might be a stigma around it right now a little bit of like concepts concept concepts this is why we do it not you know don't you know don't do the physical technique think about the conceptual side of it but i think there's a lot of value to it you know like it's like anything there's that there will be a dogma when it comes to whatever uh you know there's a lot of people out that are probably think conceptual is the only way to go whether it's you know don't teach a technique, teach them how to react in a situation or whatever. But I think concepts, we started learning more concepts in our academy and it's really helped out quite a bit. You know, it's, um, we we're talking about Jordan again, Jordan did a quick reel of ways to improve your head and arm choke. Cause that's like one of his favorite things. And the whole thing wasn't about like getting to the head and arm. It was just how to what to look for when you're doing a head and arm. You know what I mean? Like it was like the conceptual side behind it. He's like, it doesn't matter it, how you lock your hands. It doesn't matter how you get there. The only thing that matters is the bite on the carotid. Like that is the only thing that matters. So however you can get a better bite on it is what's going to work better. And I was like, damn dude, he didn't tell me how to get there at all, but I feel like I just learned a better way of doing a head and arm. So I've been like focusing on trying to get like, his his conceptual side of that technique down a little bit better but i think i think when people buy instructionals they don't really want to hear that you know what i mean like they want like you mentioned they want the sexy stuff people talking about like their ideas behind it usually isn't very sexy especially when when uh they're kind of like monotone like john dana here and they're like very soft spoken it's like it's like fuck, man i'm about to take a nap dude can i get to the technique uh, but there is a lot of value in there, you know, and, and I think people could learn a lot more from conversational jujitsu like this and challenging their views and, and what's going on in their head, because you might have an idea of what's like you mentioned, you might have an idea of like, no, this is the way it's done. And then someone's like, no, actually that's, there's so much better way. And you're like, <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> you're like, you're like, man, this is crazy. Um, you, you guys are uh, for your podcast, one eight hundred BJJ help. You guys are sponsored by Lachlan Giles uh, Metaverse, right? Like you guys have a, like a discount code for that. What Submeta, What are some yeah. Submeta? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are What are some of your favorite platforms to to watch instructionals or BJJ content on? Obviously, YouTube's probably going to be the biggest one because it's free. But what are some other good ones? Yeah, I would say the the three big ones right now that I use are bjj fanatics first and foremost i think that's kind of like um you know the kind of the staple um and then sub meta which is lock on giles and then bjj365 which is brandon mccaffrey's mm -hmm. um yeah brandon mccaffrey's the the 10th planet um mm -hmm. guy he announces a lot of events so i i find that one to be the most valuable as far as just like 
I, I mean, what I'm kind of looking for is like what techniques he's he's showing there. Because to me, he's someone who gets to see a lot of high level competition yeah. and get in the back room at a lot of these places and get to talk to a lot of high level people and just kind of travel the world and see a ton of jujitsu. So the techniques that he is showing, I imagine he has, like, I mean, it's just kind of filtered through his lens um, of being around like the best jujitsu constantly. So I, I think that is pretty valuable. Um, and then Lachlan is just like crazy. That, that dude is, is <laughs> he's, he's so technical and, and very dedicated to teaching. I feel like, I think he's just like gone full, like bored into the, the teaching aspect of it. And I don't think there's a better value as far as like spending your resources than getting the, the sub meta one. It's just like, I think it's $25 a month and you get like over a hundred different courses as opposed to like wow. some of the BJJ fanatics instructionals are like, I think Gordon's now are like three fifty or something. If they're not so on sale, which crazy. Is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They sell like so, hotcakes yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's they go do have a sale every other day, but yeah, I know, right? You're like, all right, 40% off of a $350. I'm like, still yeah. hundreds of dollars. You know, but that guy also charges, I think it's like two, $300 to even go to a seminar. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, do I pay the $300 for a seminar or do I pay $300 for replay value? It's like, <laughs> it's like you got to weigh that out. So let's go into uh, how you kind of view instructionals in a sense of, note taking or how you your methods for watching them um because like you mentioned you, you you know you make content with them and then you know you you like the conceptual side to it so how do you approach when you buy an instructional and then from start to end like how how does that situation go for you taking notes are you uh chapterizing it somehow or like how how does it all work yeah so normally the thing that's on the thing that's on the front of my mind right now is Gordon Ryan instructionals, and I'm just going to use that as an example just to make this this easier. Um, and one thing I've been studying recently is Open Guard, so I'm going to use that as an example to make this easier. Perfect. <laughs> um, but basically, how I went about doing that is I'll start with Gordon's typically, and I'll watch his opening sequence where he talks about like the general strategy and then I'll watch the rolling footage and I'll take notes in both of those sections. And then I'll go back and I'll watch like a decent amount of competition footage and try and see where those same sections that tend to happen a lot in the rolling footage were also happening in competition mm. and just kind of like try and highlight different sequences that tend to be the most common. Um, and then when I'm watching the actual content of the instructional, like all the, you know, eight hours of techniques, I'll kind of have the general overview painted and I'll kind of know the, you know, generally where he tends to spend most of his time in competition and in the, the sparring footage. So then it kind of gives you a little filter to say like, okay, like, this section right here I should really pay attention to because he did it like nine times in the rolling footage and he also does it like a bunch in competition. So I imagine this is like a pretty important section. And oftentimes he'll start off by saying, this is one of the most important techniques, you know, like it's like, oh, okay, the clue is right there in front of it. Like, yeah. So 
Um, Mental note. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that's, that's generally how I try to approach it. And then I'll watch a lot of supplemental material. So Mm. I'll go on to like Lachlan's and I'll see the way he's doing a similar, like the, the same highlighted techniques that tend to happen a lot. I'll go and I'll see how Lachlan teaches it. And I'll be like, Oh, he has like different details than Gordon has. I'll watch Danaher teach it. I'll watch Brandon teach it. I'll watch, you know, like I've, I've been studying a lot of like Mikey Musumeci, um, instructionals for this open guard stuff. Um, Mateusz Szczynski, like just different people. I'll just like watch to see if they have like little onesie twosie details that I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. I'll just kind of throw it in. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, it's like kind of getting the framework from Danaher and Gordon and then kind of piecing other people's um, little tips and tricks on top of that. So how, how do you approach note taking for this? Because it sounds like you do a lot of jumping around when you see something that interests you. How, how is your uh, should people take notes when they're watching instructionals and how do you take notes or how do you keep everything in line so it's not a bowl of spaghetti up there? Yeah, I used to not take notes, to be honest. Um, but then once I started doing this YouTube channel, I started to take more notes um, just so I could have a quick reference when I wanted to like put something in a video. So um, I would say the YouTube channel has kept me more disciplined as far as my note taking. But just as like a general, like I'm, I'm new, new to note taking is basically what I'm saying. And previously, I'd say like... Um, I, all I was doing was just using the notes app on my phone and just taking a bunch of notes and I would just have like an open guard one. And then I'd have like a daily Heva one and I'll just write like Mikey daily Heva instructional. And then I would just say like section three, he talks about like when you off balance them to their butt, you do this or whatever, you know? So it would be like kind of unorganized a bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, kind of a little all over the place, but, um, yeah, I'm working on working on fixing that, hopefully, um, and uh, making it available. Like, yeah, I don't know if we want to get into that now, but yeah, basically, like, yep. I'm trying to become more organized with my with my note taking, especially for match footage, and then hopefully that'll bleed over into instructional footage as well eventually. Um, but just as far as like general um, note taking for other people, um, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would have like really good advice to be honest. Like, I don't, I wouldn't say my method is like good. Um, I would say it's kind of a little all over the place. Um, and the YouTube channel kind of forces me to, to be a little more honest with it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not something I'm, I'm good at though. I would say, (laughs) Hey, practice makes perfect, right? Or progression and then progression makes perfect. You kind of alluded to it in there though. You do have the database coming out and that's kind of why I wanted to ask uh, about your note taking because you. You mentioned on your YouTube channel that you know you have pages of notes for each YouTube video or whatnot that you're putting into it. You want you want to tell people at home what this platform is because I think it's a, a an amazing idea and uh, people are gonna find so much value in it. Thank you. Yeah. So basically, the idea behind it um, was I started to kind of like take a bunch of statistical information too, um, as far as like. Um, you know, different regions of ADCC trials and saying like, oh, this submission was the most common in Asia. And then this submission was the most Mm -hmm. common in Europe and whatever, just trying to get like 
more statistical data. And um, that, along with all of the notes that I was taking for each match, is just like very difficult to keep track of everything. So I just thought it would be nice to have like an easily searchable like database. I didn't really know what that would entail. Um, and it's turned out to be a lot more work than I imagined it would be. But uh, yeah, the idea was just like make myself some sort of like database that I could just search and it would have like my notes in it in an organized way and I could search through my notes more effectively and also be able to like display graphs of like what I wanted to to display in my YouTube videos um and then luckily one of my um the people I do jujitsu with here is a developer so he um and I basically you know worked it out and uh <laughs> he started developing this uh this database and uh yeah so basically the what it kind of came to um after it's all said and done is basically this version one is going to have like very limited graphs and not very statistic oriented just kind of more basic statistics like you know the general submission numbers um kind of thing but it's going to be primarily focused on the notes search pretty much so you could search like guard retention from north south and every time i write have like written guard retention and north south in a note from a match it's going to pop up with a timestamp um so you can basically better navigate through um flow grappling pretty much because all we're doing is adcc matches and all the adcc matches are on flow so if you don't have flow it's pretty much a useless tool <laughs> but uh if you do have flow hopefully it will help you better find the match footage that you're looking for. And uh, yeah, basically, again, I just made it for myself and uh, hopefully other people find it valuable. But um, yeah, that's the basic idea behind it. Do you, do you have a name for it yet? Right now it's called the Outlier Database. Yeah. Sounds pretty <laughs> legit, man. I'm, I'm excited. I don't have flow, um, but I think the little bit that you showed, I was like, oh man, this is, this is super cool. There's another thing out there kind of, similar to what you're talking about uh way of bjj i don't know if you've heard of that uh but they're kind of like doing similar things but it's it's kind of like a uh from my understanding is it's going to be like a tree like you could say like okay pull de la Hiva, and then what did they do and it's kind of like well he grabs my foot so you go to grab your foot and how to counter that and it it like links youtube videos on how to do each technique or each scenario and i think that when you said that and i was like oh man that's that's like super legit that you're you're coming up with this too because I think it's a very big gap in the market right now for people, uh, especially with how oh man how much content we have out there for jujitsu. I wanted to get speaking of that, I wanted to get your your take on like analysis or a paralysis by analysis. Like, do you ever fear that you're gonna just overthink stuff way too much because of you know the what you do that you'll it'll it might start affecting you. Every day, every yeah. day. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, like I don't get to train jujitsu all that much. Um, I would say like maybe twice a week, and even those like twice a week, I'm like teaching, so like I'm not really like training, training all that much. So um, yeah, like it's it's tough because I'm like studying it all day, and then I don't get to practice it all that much. So it's a lot of like when you're in the situation, just trying to like think a lot as opposed to, to reacting. So um, yeah, I, I would say I get 
uh, paralysis by analysis pretty much every time I roll nowadays. <laughs> do you, do you uh, record your, your footage or your, your rolling? Uh, you know, it goes, it goes off and on. Um, I Same. personally don't, um, but these other two gentlemen in our school, they basically like run our Instagram page for the, the jiu-jitsu school. So, um, yeah, they, they record it and like make little clips of the highlights and stuff. Um, and they'll send, like, if I want to see it, they'll send, um, like the full blown videos. So, um, it's usually available, um, if I want it, but yeah, I don't, I don't tend to, uh, to record my own, own roles. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, you offer the service too of reviewing people's roles, uh, right behind your, your paid community and whatnot. And I think I think that's a very valuable tool because uh, seeing what you're doing, we, I, I talk about this all the time. Seeing what you're doing during a, a role, you may think in your mind, like, "Man, I am crushing it during this part right here. Like, I'm I got great frames." Then you rewatch it, and you're like, "I was laying there like a starfish in my head. That's not <laughs> what was happening." I think that was the big eye opener. Um, and you know, a lot of content creators out on YouTube now. I mean, there's a lot of small content creators out on YouTube now when it comes to jujitsu that do their own rolling footage breakdown, much like Jordan we talked about earlier. And it's it's cool seeing people do that. But I think it's kind of it's starting this own like micro instructional environment. You know what I mean? Where uh everyone that has a platform now wants to release their own instructional on on what they they want. And I mean it's good and bad. I mean obviously there's knowledge is knowledge and if you can break it down to a point to where it's beneficial to someone or helps people. I think it's a great idea. But what what do you think about this this new kind of like sign up for my newsletter and I'll give you this instructional. I know you've done it too and I'm not I'm not bashing on anyone for doing it. If I think it's I think it's like I mentioned if you have uh good knowledge and you can help people then do it. I I don't. I suck at jujitsu. So it's <laughs> No one will be learning my techniques for a newsletter. But how how do you feel like, what do you think like the next step is for this kind of micro instructional uh, environment that's starting to come out with content creators? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, for me, I would say that there's always been, how do I want to answer this? Like, I would say like, for me, like as far as like the the whole like email thing and stuff like that, like I just found out about. It. I feel like it's one of those things where like you just find out about a car and then like all of a sudden you're starting to see it everywhere. Um, I, maybe I was just like oblivious to it before, but I just found out that like oh, it's probably a good idea to like start collecting people's emails and like just Same, in I'm case trying. something happens with YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I was like oh, maybe I should start trying that. And then like now I literally see like everyone doing it. So like. <laughs> Um, that's what i'm saying like i was thinking about it yeah. too and i was like man i don't want to do that like i feel like everyone in the jujitsu content creation space is kind of like hey sign up for my newsletter get this free ebook that i wrote about or this this one super simple technique and i'm like i'm not gonna do that i gotta find something else i gotta do but go on sorry yeah yeah no i i hear you um but yeah i also like i also do see like there's a reason why people do it so like yeah i get i get the pros the pros and cons but uh yeah, I'm still trying to navigate through that as well on my end. So, <laughs> um, 
Sorry, I kind of like lost my uh, lost. Can you rephrase the uh, rephrase the question real quick? Oh, so what do you like think lost. about yeah. this 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 micro instructional like uh, content creator instructional thing? And then like, where is it going? Like, how do you feel about people people doing it and whatnot? Gotcha. Yeah. No, I just feel like um, it's just going to become harder and harder for people to navigate and find the the good information. So um, basically, the kind of like tagline um that we were trying to like come up we were trying to come up with a tagline for this outlier database thing and basically what we came down to was what we're trying to do is help people overcome the overwhelm and Mm. i think the overwhelm problem is just going to keep getting more and more difficult to solve and there's going to be more and more content for you to watch and it's going to be harder and harder for you to find the thing that you're looking for so basically what i feel like you know my youtube channel and hopefully what this this database helps solve is giving people like a tool to help them navigate through the overwhelm and get to what they're looking for quickly um so yeah that's uh that i think is going to be a harder and harder problem to deal with and uh, hopefully we're able to to get ahead of it and help people navigate through it people people i mean that's the that's the thing with Instagram or YouTube or the internet really is everyone can have a stage to put out information and, you know, look like a subject matter expert. Uh, and that's like, you know, you, you don't, you don't want to be the one to, to put something out. Then all of a sudden you get, you get hate mail from everyone watching it. Like, bro, that is trash. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about, man? How, how do you handle, uh, I don't know if you have much hate because, uh, or a lot of haters because your stuff is, I mean, it, it's, it's great, but how do you deal with like the online universe of content creation and, you know, good and bad? Yeah, no, I, when, especially when I have paid stuff, like the only thing I've had paid has been my one instructional that I put out. And I made sure to give people like a, a money back guarantee. And I've refunded a handful of people. Um, I just wanted, I just really did not want to take people's money that felt like they didn't get what they, what they wanted. Um, so if someone like is genuinely unhappy, I, I really think it's important to just like give them their money back or refund them or just try and like make things right. Um, but uh, as far as like free content goes, I do get my fair share of of hate, especially starting out. I didn't know what this was, but I got a lot of comments. And it wasn't like if it's just like one comment, it's like kind of like hurtful, but it's like, okay, I can I can move on. But if there's a lot of comments saying it, it's like, okay, maybe I should start to Might be true. This. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to Google it because I didn't know what it was. And a lot of people were saying that I had vocal fry. And I still think I have it. Um, I'm trying to work on it a bit more. Do you know what that is? Is that the uh, at the end of when you talk kind yes. of like a valley girl thing? I guess you could kind of see, not calling you a valley exactly. girl. That, I, I promise. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the first thing coming up from the West Coast, the Bay Area, right? You get that 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 fry at the end of words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, what I've read and what I've list, like learned was that 
as you're talking, if you get like really excited and you're talking about something, you just keep talking about something and you forget to breathe. And as you start to run out of breath, now your voice gets, starts to get a little raspy and then you start to get that vocal fry and then things start to get worse and worse and worse. So basically what I've tried to do now <laughs> is I take like a deep breath and then I start to speak into my microphone when I'm recording to my YouTube videos. And I only speak for like five to seven seconds until I have to breathe again. I like never make a long <laughs> sequence anymore <laughs> because of you're like, hate all comments. right, here we go. Three, two, one. Yeah. <gasps> okay, in this part, we need to go grab the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to minimize the vocal fry. Um, yeah. I definitely think it's still there, but yeah, that's like, uh, I think I think that's how I kind of navigated it, to be honest, is like, I obviously get a lot of hate because Gordon Ryan gets a lot of hate and I'm like the biggest Gordon Ryan fanboy on the internet. So um, I get some misdirected Gordon Ryan hate. Um, but, you know, that You're is... You're like, I'm actually is. not him. This is just me breaking... <laughs> <laughs> like, I have no affiliation with Gordon Ryan, man. Calm down. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, no, I, I have... I, I love... Gordon Ryan, and I think the more he he competes, the the better we all um, are gonna be as far as jujitsu goes. So um, yeah, I just uh, I think that's like the two biggest biggest hate comments that I feel like I get are stop making Gordon Ryan videos, talk about something else, and then two um, your vocal fry is impossible to listen to. I can't believe anyone <laughs> has subscribed to this YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, good thing is the internet. So you, if you don't like it, you don't have to listen to me. It's like, I don't right. think it's that bad. I've, it's never been a point to where when I was like, I was like, Jesus, Jake, take a breath. Like I've never, <laughs> I didn't even real. I, I just think it's your voice. Like I just, it's not like I, I'm, I, I sound like a freaking idiot most of the time. Like I got a super bad allergy, so I sound nasally a lot. I don't know how anyone listens to me talk for an hour. Uh, I appreciate everyone at home that does, but it's like, <laughs> it's like it, you're gonna have. Uh, you're gonna have haters no matter what you do. If you put yourself out there on the internet, there's gonna be someone out there that's gonna have something negative to say. Uh, but like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, having that message that's bigger than yourself and looking to help others really allows you to look past the haters because you're not making content for them anyways. Obviously, right? If they, uh, well, let me rephrase that. If someone's giving you constructive criticism, that's different right like you could take the vo vocal fry as constructive criticism if delivered in the right method right if someone just says like dude your voice is annoying then that's not very constructive and you're probably not making content for them anyways but if someone watches the video and they're like hey i think you can improve on this then that's something different right and i think i think that's one thing that people need more of to tell you the truth not haters i'm not saying you guys need more haters but i think i think people even within the jujitsu community could use more constructive criticism and take it seriously because we're not all perfect. Not everyone knows everything. Not every interview that I do is going to be the best. Not every episode I do is going to be the best. And I, you know, I'm okay with that. I've been doing this for a long time now, but I feel like there's a lot of people, especially within jujitsu, if you try to like correct them, even if you're like, you're a lower belt, you know, if I go up to like a purple or brown belt, I'm like, Hey man, you know, that was more of a crank. They're gonna be like, "Oh, you're just saying that because I submitted you." Like, I'm not saying that, but kind of. But it really was. <laughs> like, there's there's this like whole stigma of like, I, you can't you you can't correct up. Like, you can only correct down. So, but uh, Jake, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. Uh, it 
was a blast of a conversation. I'm so glad we did this. We're gonna have to do it again sometime. Uh, where where can people find you at if if you if they want to follow you or watch your journey? Yeah, uh, YouTube, um, Instagram. Oh, Instagram confuses a lot of people. Actually, I'm I'm short haired Jake on Instagram, which is a whole nother story. But um, yeah, I'm short haired Jake on Instagram. Um, YouTube is less impressed, more involved. BJJ and uh yeah that's pretty much the two two platforms yeah go check out his videos they're they're great be on the lookout for his database if you guys are looking for more of an analysis about jujitsu like he mentioned before uh everything's gonna be down in the description below if you guys have made it this far you made it into ebi overtime let me know uh <laughs> i greatly i greatly appreciate everyone at home make sure you go follow jake go watch his youtube channels and uh we'll uh be able oh also jake oh, i can't believe i almost forgot what would your one piece of advice be for a brand new white belt starting jiu-jitsu? Uh, my one piece of advice would probably just be consistency and to, uh, to show up consistently. And uh, yeah, that, that'd probably be it. Um, just be consistent. Wait, is there a number that comes to mind when you talk about consistency uh not necessarily uh i think it probably just depends on people's like life um and their goals that number is going to dictate a lot of that but i would just say like if you're going to you know two classes a week um and then you don't go for a month and then you go for two classes a week again for a month you're probably not going to get very very good um so yeah if you can go to you know, one class a week and then two classes next week and then one class and then two classes and that's like a more sustainable schedule, then just do that. But like, just try and go at least once a week, I would say, um, and just keep showing up kind of thing. So. Absolutely. All right, Jake, real this time. Thank you so much for coming on. Everyone go check them out. Everything's going to be down in the description below. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home and remember, no oil checks here. Peace. <laughs>